I'm Christian Perez, and this is Modernity and Absurdity. Peter Jacob was the Democratic candidate for New Jersey's 7th Congressional District in the 2016 election. A social worker by trade, Peter was inspired to run for office by Senator Bernie Sanders. Through hard work and perseverance, Peter has carved out a place for himself among New Jersey's top progressive leaders. Unlike so many of his Democratic peers, Peter remains unbought by corporate money and unafraid to speak truth to power. Peter is a fighter for New Jersey's forgotten voices and can be found speaking at any number of events throughout the state. With support from within his district as well as throughout the state of New Jersey, Peter stands out in New Jersey politics as an inspiring politician that doesn't hide behind empty platitudes and rhetoric. Unlike so many politicians today, Peter fights for the little guy and not corporate donors. In the run-up to the 2018 election, Peter faced a powerful primary challenger in former Assistant Secretary of State for Democracy, Human Rights, and Labor under President Obama, Tom Malinowski. Malinowski, with support from a Democratic Party hostile to progressive agenda, and a number of other primary candidates meant to confuse the electorate, proved successful. Despite this loss, Peter pushes forward, building on his legacy of honesty and hard work. All right, so how are you doing today, Peter? Doing well, doing great. How are you? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm glad that you could... Uh come here and, and, and do this interview with me. I, I, you're a good friend, and I'm glad we could sit down and do this. I mean, we spend a lot of time talking anyway. We might as well record it and see, see if anybody wants to listen to what, what you have to say. <laughs> they don't care what I have to say. Indeed, bro. It's a long time coming, and I was looking forward to this. Glad we finally got to do this. Good, good. Definitely, definitely. So uh, how are you spending your time? Still keeping busy? Uh, indeed. You know, uh, doing the same old just to keep gas in the car, food in the belly, and use it for... Uh, hangout time, working with my uh, father. Yeah, I got my dog. Oh, you know, she, she yes, she keeps me very busy and uh, keeps me fit to a degree. There you um, go. Playing my drums and stuff like that, yeah. but still active and still involved. You know, you try and take a break, quote unquote, from politics, but it keeps mm. pulling you back. <laughs> uh, and at this hour in our American history, it's much needed. So you know, wherever anybody asks me to come out speak uh to support you know I, I go ahead and believe in those people who who are about that cause for progressive values for actual yeah. progressive values I, I see it i mean your facebook page it never stops there's always something going on there's always something insightful the campaign ended but peter jacob didn't end i think that that's something that sets you apart from a lot of different people but let me ask you this so this is this is the big question right when, when did you decide that you wanted to run for office was there an actual moment uh, what was it like? What, what, what made you say, you know what, I, I want to run? Was it was it something in the news, personal experience? I'll start out by, say, by saying this. Uh, I never wanted to really run for office. Okay. It just was something that evolved in me. And I, at some point I was like, you know what, it would be, it is 
it is my responsibility as a human being, as a social worker, mm-hmm. to run for public office. Uh, you know, I always looked up to the ph- philosophers, religious leaders of yeah. antiquity, great leaders like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and what were they about? They were about grassroots. Absolutely. Change came from the bottom up, and that's the kind of work that I always saw myself doing. And as a social worker serving in the city of Elizabeth and greater Union County, uh, you see the challenges firsthand. And this was two years after the recession. And after we elected Barack Obama, we're wishing for some hope and change. Yeah. And unfortunately, that hope and change was still not, waiting. Yeah, yeah, still waiting to this day. And, you know, for me, enough was enough. I saw Senator Bernie Sanders, and if he could do it without a super PAC, running on the values that I could testify to as a social worker, then it is my responsibility to run for public office. And that's what I did. We're actually going to come back to Senator Sanders in a moment because I, I think he's probably arguably your greatest influence at this point, at least politically. He's the most popular politician in the country today, bar none, and it's it's definitely a, definitely a goodie. There will always be critique from the left and the far left about engaging in electoral politics. Uh, social media, uh, I'm constantly butting heads with people on social media about the importance of voting, about the importance of getting involved. Um, but... The leftist critique of electoral politics does carry some credibility. Your own experience with the Democratic Party can be used as an example to highlight this supposed futility of, of trying to deal with the system. Is this something that you spent time thinking about, or did you never really have any problems with electoral politics? Do, do you see it as practical, or do you see it as uh, idealistic? Do you see it as making a deal with the machine? How do you, how do you see it? Sometimes it's all of the above. Um, And, you know, we need a complete strategy from the outside and inside. Uh, Speaking to the Democratic Party or, you know, you need people on the outside putting pressure. You need people to uh, always promote those progressive values on the inside of the party as well as the outside. And and again, all change that we saw in our nation, in our world, came Mm -hmm. from the bottom up. Yeah. Right. The, the greatest power concedes nothing without a demand. Exactly. Exactly. And power only concedes to fear. Fear yeah. of the masses. Yeah. You know, uh, as the famous saying goes, uh, people should not be afraid of their governments. Government should be. A great poet once said. Indeed. A great, a great scholar once. Yeah. Uh, by the name of V. By yeah. the name of V. Um, so why didn't you go the traditional route to run for office? I was listening to a really good interview with uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, mm-hmm. and she said that. Uh, you know, they asked her the same thing. You know, why, why not go the traditional route? Why didn't you start with the school board or the city council, local politics like so many other people? What, what, what made you decide to jump right into, into running for, for Congress? Mm-hmm. I think that's a great question because it's one that I often get. People say, hey, why don't you move up the ladder? Why don't you get some experience? Isn't Congress quite a leap? Why not start at the city council or school board or something like that? How many people have started like that, and where is our nation now? Yeah. Look, look at how many politicians with their years of experience, and yet our approval rating for Congress is in the teens. Yeah. Our governors across our nation are completely failing our nation. And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is we need broad, brave uh, ideas. And the people who are bringing that are people from... Um, other areas, you know, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson pointed out very well once, you know, where are the scientists in in, in politics? You yeah. know, so I'd say, where are the social workers? Where the where's social the workers? nurses? Where are the teachers? You know, where's the rest of life being represented? Yeah. And uh, we're right at this moment, 
in American history, we're at a critical uh, space where it could become complete doom mm. for our nation. This Absolutely. is the end of empire, literally. You know, Donald Trump late capitalism. is capitalism. Yeah, yeah, late stage capitalism, and Donald Trump. You know, he is just a symptom of mm-hmm. a larger problem. Yeah, you could cut out that disease, that cancer called Donald Trump, but uh, the problems will continue to persist, and that problem is called neoliberalism. Yeah. And so. If we do not have uh, people willing to lead and fight and serve in public office who are going to reflect these values, then I don't see a future for America, sadly to say. So I think it's very important for people who have the ability, both financially, spiritually, uh, I'll add add also mentally and emotionally to run for office, to actually run for office, no matter where that is. I'll also say that, you know, in a state like New Jersey, where you have such machine politics, uh, where the Democratic Party is very strong, Mm. uh, in the sense that there's a lot of money in the state of New Jersey. And uh, sometimes it is easier to run for something like Congress than it is to even run for a school board or a town council That's interesting. Uh, or even a, a county commissioner or what we call freeholders or some people well, call they recently, freeholders. I think they recently just changed it. Yeah, they, they yeah. just changed it back to, to county commissioners yeah. for the first time. But yeah, I mean, freeholders are old, outdated. Time. Yeah, yeah. Nobody and in the country uses it except nobody, for us. Nobody uses it and it has to do with, you know, people who owning land and yeah. things like that. We're you had, freeholder. You had, to have, you had to have 50 pounds worth of gold, as in British pounds, and a quote freehold of land. So you had to have money and you had to have land. Otherwise, you couldn't vote and you weren't anybody. So that meant women, immigrants, and poor dudes were out the door. Yep, yep, <laughs> indeed. And uh, that's why uh, they call them freeloaders as well if you don't oh, like yeah. them. And so it's easier to run for Congress because ultimately the power base is in county government. These are half a billion dollar contracts sometimes, some places even more. You wow. can imagine in Essex County or some other places. And when you got that that amount of money, unlike Mississippi, you know you're not yeah. you're not dependent on the federal government to bring in money. Yeah, you just got your cash within your county. You know that's your state assembly people, your state senator bringing that money in, all the contracts and all that stuff. And uh, that's why sometimes it's easier to run for Congress and be that inspirational voice. And however unfortunate, uh, the people uh, pay attention more to what's happening nationally yeah. than locally. Yeah. So if you could be that voice at the at the national level. And when we ran, there was nobody else really speaking to those progressive values as we went into the general election yeah. uh, as a candidate, speaking to those uh, you know, I, I don't like the isms here, but you know those progressivism that yeah. that that kind of uh, left kind of politics that the Democratic Party was once actually uh, representative of. It's under there somewhere. We just got to dig it out. Indeed. Uh, a, a comment on the whole traditional thing for office. Look who our president is. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, what was his preparation for being president? Running a bunch of crooked companies? Being a, a de-actor in yeah. movies nobody wants to watch anymore? <laughs> Indeed. He's a reality TV star whose greatest business skill is bankruptcy, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. I was... I don't know why I engage with these people on Facebook, but you, you can't argue with ignorant. You can't. I mean, people are clinging on to Trump like a sinking ship and... Uh, you know, they just don't get it. They just only see him and come hell or high water, they're, they're, ready, to, uh, they're ready to deal with it. Yeah. And I say this, you know, people focus on people, places, or things. Yeah. A person is an easy target. Mm-hmm. A thing like WikiLeaks is an easy target. Mm-hmm. A place like Russia is an easy target. Absolutely. Uh, and what we need to get to and understand 
uh, are the ideas. This idea of uh, free market capitalism, neoliberalism and its impact. And that's the kind of direction I'm trying to take people. We're at an opportune time to educate individuals. People are at that space right now uh, where I was about uh, a decade ago, you know, Absolutely. when we were when we were in college, the big thing was George W. Bush. Let's impeach him. <laughs> he got us into uh, this wars. ridiculous war in Iraq, especially yeah. on false pretenses. Let's get him out. We need to elect every Democrat possible. Yeah. 06, 08, and then what happened? Yeah. Now we're stuck with Donald Trump. Yeah. So it's not enough to uh, get any kind of Democrat in. We need a progressive in there and uh, ones who talk about the issues and who are willing to educate America and take that role seriously by being a leader serving the people not not all Democrats are created equal that, that and that's yeah. that's a reality and I think that that's something that you were really good at uh, at hitting home you know there's a difference between a Peter Jacob and uh, and a Phil Murphy or a Hillary Clinton or a Barack, I mean, other than the fact that they have millions of dollars and you don't, but there's, there's a lot of other differences. Here, here's, a, here's a question I, I really want to ask, and it's something I've been, I've been dying to ask you. What did it feel like having local Democratic party bosses, local Democratic offices drag their feet with you and your campaign? You had a lot of support. You had a lot of small donations. You have people that believe in you all throughout the uh, the seventh district and and outside, of course. What's it like to have that support, to have the nomination, and to still have these people dragging their feet, hemming and hawing along along the way? Disappointing. Disappointing. Sad. Uh, frustrating. You yeah. know, the fact is, when I started running. Um, or I was thinking about running in late 2015. You know, I sent messages to some of the county chairs. You know, again, county government in the state of New Jersey has a lot of influence because you got a lot of money in contracts. That Absolutely. You're and that's their bread and butter. That's what they care about. But here was an opportunity. 2016, people are energized. Millennials want to come out and vote. You saw this guy, Bernie Sanders, and what he was doing. So I sent a message out to uh, pretty much all the chairs. Hey, I'm interested in uh, meeting and chatting because I'm running for uh, U.S. Congress. You know, I respect process. You know, I respect people and their positions and their roles. So, you know, I'm supporting Bernie Sanders. Mm -hmm. But I'm planning to run for U.S. Congress, uh, and I want to run for U.S. Congress in our district. Could we chat sometime? Didn't get any messages back. Mm. You know, uh, we got into 2016, uh, and then people, you know, finally responded after that 50,000 email that I sent. They couldn't deny you, bro. <laughs> yeah. And so um, it wasn't, you know, anything I'd say that was uh, expect. You expect them to welcome you with open arms. Here's a young, progressive, millennial, social worker. Man of color uh, in America. Person of color in America, willing to take up this mantle in a place that many people are not willing to run. Yeah. And we saw the writing on the wall. You mm -hmm. know, We saw what was coming down the pipeline with Donald Trump. Yes, we did. We, we saw, saw it 10 years ago, Peter. Yeah, and here was a clear opportunity to flip our district based on the numbers. And we presented all these facts to them and the data. Said we could win. And... Um, it, they just did it was it. what it was yeah it was what it was and senator sanders and the progressives throughout america uh had faith in us and those are the people i'm appreciative towards the reality of the situation is those that are in the know know who helped you and know who didn't help you and yep. uh, those that didn't help you are going to have to live with that i mean as you said we are in a dark time for the United States of America, and these are people that actively decided that they didn't want to do what's best for New Jersey and and for for our country. And it's 
it's a shame and uh shame on them truthfully <laughs> you wouldn't be willing to name names would you <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to can the democratic party be saved yes i believe so with the right people um i'm not here for the house that they built that the uh third way democrats built i'm here for the land it was built on you know the democratic party once upon a time uh was the party of the kkk it was and then what happened uh martin luther king and others pulled it to the left pulled to the left yeah Yeah. and uh you have someone like you know and once upon a time democrats were what we consider republicans yeah they opposed uh lincoln when it came to the issue of republicans uh, were the party of the north yeah yep putting an end to slavery and uh if we see what happened uh at the depression you fast forward roughly 80 years from lincoln to franklin delano roosevelt the great depression you know the republicans in the roaring 20s sunk us into quite a grave uh, leading to the financial collapse of 1929, Black Tuesday. Then we had uh, FDR come along. and That led to fascism. <laughs> yep. Great Depression is what yep. created the Nazis. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah. And there was two routes that, that America could have gone. Mm-hmm. You know, they could have gone that... We were very close that, to going yeah, that other route. Yep, yep, where, you know, we saw Mussolini in Italy, Franco in Spain, and Hitler in Germany. We could have easily went that route. Yeah. Uh, but England was very much going that way. Churchill was a fascist sympathizer, yes. but uh, ultimately it's about power, and he realized the British didn't want to... He didn't want the British to subjugate themselves. Yeah. And fortunately, the American people, they... Uh, uh, selected Franklin Roosevelt, and he came in with a bold, brave strategy. His famous 100 days, put people to work, created jobs, a federal jobs program, social security, unemployment insurance. He did what needed to be done. Now, it wasn't perfect. It excluded a lot of black people. People of uh, color, yeah. Latinos in the color, north, yep. southern agricultural workers, absolutely. Indeed. and uh, But it laid a platform for the nation at large and within his fourth term he put forward the second bill of rights which said we need a right to health care we need a right to housing right to employment and gainful employment uh, a right to education and a right to uh, uh, be free from unfair competition and monopolies and unfortunately he passed away and so did that uh, second Bill of Rights. And then came along MLK and other leaders who uh, actually had the opportunity to meet with Franklin Roosevelt, uh, like A. Philip Randolph, who put forward a new freedom budget, which echoed those same sentiments. And then Kennedy was assassinated. LBJ put us into a war, not being able to see the uh, Great Society, uh, which was the continuation of the New Deal in the 60s. Uh, and then the assassination of uh, Robert F. Kennedy. And then we see the Democratic Party change its complete strategy towards one that is more conservative economically. Um, and we see the deregulation of Wall Street. We see a, a ridiculous amount of people of color, especially blacks, being thrown into prison their benefits and all that stuff taken away. Uh, and then we see something like NAFTA pass, uh, which devastated, you know, uh, labor and people working in uh, uh, manufacturing yeah. industries and things like that. So we see all this come about in the 90s, and then we are feeling its effects to the this day. 
And then as a result, we shouldn't be surprised that we get somebody like Donald Trump who comes along and promises to bring back jobs, says he's going to protect Social Security and Medicare yeah. uh, and whatnot. So the Democratic Party, if it focuses on the issues that most Americans support, you know, health care as a human right, uh, and that means a Medicare for all single payer system. If we talk about what we've already done, what uh, Lincoln did with land grant colleges, tuition free public colleges and universities yeah. and uh, trade schools in this country, if we do those things, which are very popular with 60% plus approval ratings in this country, then the Democratic Party, if it returns to its original uh, New Deal Great Society roots, could recaptivate the country. But again, we need those leaders who speak about those issues. I, I want to I take a step back because you, you made a comment that you kind of brushed by and it's just something I, I want to stop and acknowledge. So FDR was not perfect. The New Deal was not perfect. It was very much far, far from it. But you made a comment. You said FDR was elected how many times? He was elected four, four times. times. So there's this revisionist history in the 21st century that the New Deal was a failure, that it, it didn't do this, it didn't do that. But um, Roosevelt was popular enough to be elected four times, four times. The only thing that stopped him was death, right? <laughs> yep. The Republicans couldn't stop him. Nobody could stop him. That, that's a lot of power. So I want everyone out there to think about that when, when the revisionists start talking about how big of a failure the New Deal was. It was the most, sec arguably, one of the most successful pieces of, of, of legislation, one of the most successful um, acts by the government in, in our history, arguably the 20th century. It, 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 it built years. a new world. 50 years of progress and prosperity for yeah. our nation. Arguably the reason my family and many others came to this country and mm -hmm. had the opportunity to start small businesses, to invest, for someone like myself to even run for office. Yeah. it's about It was about the American dream. And uh, as I said, we always have to bring up its faults, but it, it's something we could look to as a stepping stone, a, a place to start in the future. At least that's, that's how I see it. Now, I had asked you if the Democratic Party can be saved, and your, your general reply was that it can but do you think so i'm going to kind of change that question up a bit do you think the democrats in their current centrist corporate form are, are powerful no. enough or organized enough to stop the republicans hell no um, they're not even thinking about they're it. they're not even they? trying all they want to talk about is russia all the american people about. don't care about that you go out onto the street and ask them what do you care about yeah you will not hear russia nobody you cares. hear i don't know how i'm going to pay for my mortgage i got this medical bill I can't afford my mother's prescription. Yeah, you know she's doing very poorly. My my third child is about to go to college. Yeah, the other two can't find jobs. Yeah, and I my father on a single income bought a home, bought a car, took us on vacation, and retired with dignity. I don't even know how I'm gonna retire. Yeah, they give me a four hundred one k. My children won't even know what pensions yeah. are, and you the, know, the, let alone the, Social Security. And how many times did you hear this story over and over on the, the both campaign trails? Just, campaign just, trails. Just, just economic uncertainty yeah. and that, that and, fear. Yeah, and it's not just campaigning either. You know, This was what I saw as a social worker day in and day out. That's yeah. why I ran. But I also knew people personally Absolutely. who were going through these struggles. Like a health care bill. You know, we had a friend, Pez, in college, broke his leg. Mm-hmm. Still paying those bills off. Still paying. Still paying those 12 bills. Twelve years yeah. later, yeah. unbelievable, unacceptable. That's that's where we're at now. I mean, and I think that's that's the big problem with the Democrats. But I, I'm I'm excited because when we were undergrads, right? People would look at us sideways, and we would because if we <laughs> if we talked bad about the Democrats, it automatically meant you were a Republican. You were in George W. Bush's um, camp. You were helping them out. You're a bad guy. 
now we have people like you, people like Cortez. It, it, is, it is common practice for people to talk about openly about how corrupt the Democratic Party establishment is. I mean, and they, they can't even hide it. Right, so it's never it's never this argument of oh they're not corrupt. It's always well you just don't understand how things work, right? It it it's it's this really weird, really weird defense that a lot of them, um, that yeah. a lot of people just turn to. Yeah, people see politics as a game, but the lives of people are not a it's game. It's not a game. You know, it's not. It's yeah. it's enough with this. Uh, you know, I'll do this if you do that type of thing. You know, we're at that critical moment and yeah. this is not about purity or anything like that i get this all the time yeah. oh you know you're demanding that uh this candidate supports medicare for all. tuition free no this is an integrity issue this is what the american people want this is what they deserve and you as a leader as someone running for office have a responsibility to speak the truth and i know many democrats know this stuff They've admitted to me, yeah, this is great, but I can't do this because uh, my donors will feel some type of way. We won't win on these issues. Yeah. What the hell are you talking about? A yeah. democratic socialist on? in New York made it happen. A democratic socialist who ran for U.S. Uh, presidency made it happen. A democratic socialist in Virginia made it happen. Yeah. You know, So the tides are turning, and we will fight forward whether you join us or not, but... The fact is the time is getting very limited with the stakes being very high. So it's this moment in history that we have to really flip the house with the right people and uh, the right message and the right values. I think one of the great inventions of humankind up there with fire and the wheel, right, and the lever are, are internet memes, right? <laughs> I saw this internet meme today as I was, I was prepping these questions for you, and it was... Uh, you know, it was the typical like, uh, you know, politician says, you know, that issue is too, um, it, it's too controversial. And the translation is the people want it, but my donors don't. That's controversial, right? People want health care. People want access to education. People want clean air. People want clean drinking water. Go talk to the people of Flint. Go talk to people in Puerto Rico, people after Hurricane Katrina, people in Texas. They, they That's what they want. They don't care about, like you said, they don't care about Russia they don't care about any of the nonsense. They just want what's best for them and for their families, and they want economic certainty. And I, I think that that's, that's not a lot to ask for. Um, I believe I had sent you a text when you were, you were away on vacation. It was of the, it was a clip from that clown, Sean Hannity, where he posted Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's, uh, her, her campaign points, which are, of course, very mm -hmm. similar to yours. You did it first. You were the original. <laughs> you were the original. But, uh, like, this is what, like, like, it was like the horror of socialism. And it's like, you know, access to healthcare, access to education, job training, uh, clean drinking water, clean air. I mean, this is the horror of socialism that, uh, that, that I, I, I'm, I'm thankful and I'm happy that that idea of socialism is starting to fade away. The one good thing about uh, the millennials, especially the younger ones, the ones much younger than us, is... They didn't grow up during the Soviet Union, right. and and for me, I think Soviet Union. I think the bad guy pro wrestlers, Ivan Drago from Rock, right, right. Rocky, like these evil, unfeeling, cold machine people. But that that idea doesn't exist in the psyche of millions of young people. Like it, it, we we we're finally at a point where we can have open conversations about about democracy and socialism. It, it's definitely a plus. It, it was the same thing, you know, with the the Iran deal. You have people who grew up seeing the Shah and the Iran mm -hmm. revolution and we got a whole bunch of younger folks who are like, hey, we need to do this. I mean, 
when I went to uh, Menendez and Booker's office to make sure that they signed on to it. Uh, Booker signed on to it. Uh, Menendez did it. Of course. Uh, and Booker did it when there were enough people anyway, so yeah. it didn't make a difference. But uh, Booker has uh, his finger on the pulse. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so, you know, for us young people, we want world peace. Yeah. And in fact, the people I went with, they're all older people too, and they want peace. And yeah. these ideas, if I may go back to, you know, you're, you're, you're speaking about uh, these socialistic ideas that even... They called, uh, forget about calling Barack Obama a socialist. They called yeah. FDR a socialist, and he actually acted like one with yeah. Social Security and all that stuff. Uh, but to that point, you know, I remember knocking on those doors in 2016 and meeting those Trump voters in 2016. They had the lawn sign, the bumper sticker. You ring the doorbell, they got the Trump shirt on too. The you know? MAGA hat. Yeah, yep, they yep, got it yep. all. And so, you know, you do your 30-second elevator pitch about who you are, why you're running. They don't care about any of that. They mm. care if you're a Democrat or a Republican. Party identification yes. is big, yeah. Yep. And uh, I say, Democrat, they say, not interested, get off my property, or they shut the door. <laughs> and before, before you know, you let them go. Because in the state of New Jersey, it's tough getting people at the door. You know, uh, people are busy we with their lives. You can't be bothered in New Jersey. Yeah, you cannot be bothered. So, uh I say, how do you feel about the role of money corrupting politics? How do you feel mm. about paying taxes into a system that is rigged against you? How do you feel about Paul Ryan privatizing Social Security and Medicare? Or Chris Christie, who was the governor at the time, who was gutting your pensions? Yeah. Guess what? Now they care. They all turn into socialists mm -hmm. by the end of that conversation. Seven out of ten of them, by the end, would say, you got my vote. Or I'll consider voting for you. Hey. These are Trump voters, you know. And uh, this was seen over and over, you know, that issue of corruption and big money rigging our system. You know, the Tea Party folks, they care about it. You know, people on left care about it. Everybody cares about these issues. And if you go out sincerely, sincerely and speak about them, that's the moment we got to build. That's how we unify people, not with this Russia nonsense. Let's talk about the issues that would create the long-term change we desperately need. Yeah, how do we even hold Russia accountable? More sanctions, right? Like, how did that work with Cuba? How did how have sanctions worked with Cuba for 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 sixty years? 60, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Let me let me ask you another question. We'll, we'll take a, a a quick turn, and this one's a little bit more. Uh, I would say it's a little bit more lighthearted. What's it like to receive the nomination and run for Congress? It's a awesome experience in retrospect. To okay. Think about at the moment. You know, it's like, all right, whatever. You couldn't dwell on it. Yeah, you can't dwell on it. You've got to see what you're doing that day at the next hour. Yeah. You just keep keep on working. And in fact, I didn't get nervous or really think about it much. You just knock on as many doors as you can, speak to as many people, do as much events as you can. Um, and I got nervous a few hours before, you know, the polls started, uh, came to a close. It's yeah. like, oh man, could I do more? You know, yeah. and at that point, you really can't. You can't let that get yeah. to you because you're always going to be asking yourself, "What could have, should have? What, what, what could I have done? What Indeed. should I have done?" But I think for the movement, uh, the progressive movement here in uh, the nation, mm -hmm. and specifically here in New Jersey, you know, nobody expected a brown-skinned, bearded millennial social worker who was supporting Senator Sanders to get as far as we did and so when those people came through you know uh, our campaign office door those people who posted on Facebook or sent you messages or whatever it is that they get in touch with you through that's what was captivating because everybody's like 
you're an inspiration. You know, I want to run for office one day. That's amazing. Know? And thousands I, of people, buddy. Yeah, and you know, you see those people when you're at an event and you get on stage, and um, those people, they they're they're desperate for change, mm. and you have at that moment the ability to speak to the issues in a sincere and honest way and the politicians who do not do that um i they prey on that desperation yeah, yeah. trump yeah. prayed on that yep, desperation. exactly and i can't think of anything more unpatriotic than that so you know i thought now thinking about it it's just such an awesome thing uh, to see your name on a ballot but also to be able to speak to those issues and build a movement and places where i go now you know i I go down to you know the corner store to pick up something real quick you're a local celebrity Uh, yeah and people uh you know they're looking at their phone and then they look at me (laughs) and they're like oh oh, are you are you peter jacob and i'm like yeah you know you get a nervous you get a little nervous Yeah, you don't know who's out there yeah yeah but uh you know no fear brother no fear But it's cool, and they're like, "Oh, could I take a selfie with you?" It's like, "Yeah, I'm not running for office." Like, yeah, what? Are, let me ask you this: um, A lot of people came through your door. What were the demographics of your supporters? Was it was it more homogenous, or was it like a sampling of of the people of the seventh and, and of New Jersey in general? I'd say you know it's as diverse as New Jersey gets. You know, mm-hmm. we had young people, uh, older people, people of every shade uh, that exists come through our doors, get involved. Uh, high school kids, um, middle schoolers going to high school with their parents coming in, making those phone calls, going out asking for you know uh, their um, code to go out and download their uh, yeah. high school kids. Yeah, yeah, so cool yeah. to go out and knock on those doors, and um, it was just amazing. Yeah, you know, this it represented America. Our our campaign represented the diversity. Uh, in America, as well as the diversity in political thought, we had people who were Republicans, mm. people who were very left, Green Party folks, everybody who got involved in this movement, and that's yeah. what it was. It wasn't just a campaign; it was a movement. It's a movement. That's what I was proud about. And it wasn't about Peter Jacob. I was just, I suppose, the pretty face that smiles. Very everywhere. pretty. But it was about the issues. And that is why I think so many people gravitated towards our movement, which was unlike any other at the time in the tri-state area. Yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely true. I mean, you were doing it two, three years ago. Now it, it's kind of like we see Cory Booker talking about universal health care. There's Democrats talking about it. They didn't want to make a move until it became popular, right? Like what always cracks me about, was about Obama was when everybody was loving the fact how he, quote, evolved on gay marriage. Um, the facts didn't change about gay people. The facts didn't change about gay marriage. The only thing that changed was was the zeitgeist, right? right? How people saw gay marriage, and then he finally comes out about it. And that's the thing that always frustrates me with these leaders is you have to lead, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes being a leader is putting yourself out there and making yourself a target, and then being the target of, of derision, which is this that, that's my classy uh, segue. What was it like dealing with the negatives? Right, um, racism, sarcasm, the eye rolls, indifference. I remember the one time I was with you, and I tried to get the woman. I tried to talk to the woman about your campaign, and she said she never registered to vote because she doesn't want to do jury duty. <laughs> and I, that was I, I was flabbergasted trying to uh, trying to hear that. It, it I think it like kind of short circuited me for a for a moment. But how do you deal with the negativity? Because you are a man of color in America. You are a man of color in Trump's America. You have a beard. You're South Asian. Uh, what's it like? How do you deal with the negativity, Peter? Uh, the peak of it during the campaign 
in 2016 was when the swastikas were mm. grown at my house and that was you know it was disgusting it, yeah disgusting unacceptable un-american just ridiculous that something like that happens in a diverse town in a diverse state like new jersey or anywhere for that fact you know we fought against this kind of fascism and racism uh, and to go around and do something like that and the very ignorance of it you know i they thought they were offending me which it is inherently offensive uh, but they thought I was the cowards. Yeah, they they thought I was Jewish. Yeah, too. You know, I come from a Christian family. <laughs> goodness sake, you know. And uh, I think also, you know, the thing about that was, you were able to talk about issues uh, about why that happens mm. and how you respond to it. Also, it you was know? a teachable moment. It, it was indeed. You know, where others promote darkness, you bring a light. Where they try to add hate, you multiply love. And that was basically, you know, as a social worker, that's what I always did, you know, um, and uh, whether it was on the micro level then or on the macro level now. Uh, but then also there's other things where people just don't get what you are fighting for and mm-hmm. why it is so important. Yeah. Like when you say we need a Medicare for all healthcare system in America and they say, oh, that's too liberal. That's too leftist. Yeah. I was like, what the heck are you talking about? Yeah. Everybody in you the know? world does it. Yeah, this is this is the most moderate position you could even take on healthcare. Yeah. You know, uh, it the British is, have been doing it since the end of World War Two. Yeah, and yeah, and that's you know socialized medicine where the government controls everything, and we're not even that that left yeah. quote unquote on no. the issue. They're we're not even a, socialists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Britain's capitalists. They and they love it. You know, there's not a single person that you could go to in Britain and say, "How would you like what those people across the yeah. pond have?" Yeah, nobody Therese, wants what we Therese have. Theresa May would be kicked out of office yeah, the next day if she it. ran on uh, an American form of multi-payer healthcare. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's what always cracks me up is the way they're always saying, well, our system is the best system. Well, why haven't they chosen our system? Why has everyone chosen? Or why have all the all the other Western powers, why have they all chosen um, you know, a government-run healthcare system as opposed to the, uh, the private system? I, 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 what was it like... Because I I, I, I kind of I got choked up seeing you on uh, on ABC Seven. What was it like having the community, religious leaders, community leaders come out to support you after the uh, the cowards put the uh, swastikas on your your property? Uh, that was it was beautiful. I mean, yeah, it, it's just me. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I, talking over yeah, you, but no, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you captured the word. I the emotion was flowing through me before the the word beautiful left my uh, tongue. Yeah. To have the community come together uh, not just have your back and your family's back mm-hmm. but to show that we stand strong in yeah. solidarity against such uh, genuine evils yeah. and ignorance was it was it validating Indeed. because it, I mean you're sitting here you're fighting for these people and a lot of people don't don't care like they just some people like you said they just don't give a shit right and here are these community leaders coming out and saying this isn't what our community is about we are better than this Right, I, I think that that was uh, that's definitely a plus, and it was it was it was cool, and I uh, you you handled it like a champ, and you're you're better than it, and you were bigger than it. I don't know if I would have handled it in such a, a professional manner, but kudos to you, brother. Uh, that's why I became a social worker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you're you're doing what you you know you you dedicated yourself to helping people, and you have never wavered in that, yeah. and that's something to admire. People have gone through far worse, and uh, it's it's ridiculous that some people have lost their lives for what they fought for. Uh, and so 
you you look at that moment and you ask yourself literally you know what would jesus do yeah. what would martin luther king do what would brother malcolm do yeah uh you know what would susan b anthony do what would eleanor mm-hmm. roosevelt what say? are the heroes gonna do yeah and uh, what would superman do you know yeah and so those are the, the when those things happen in uh my life um and i have those kind of experiences and not always to that extent you gotta look and look deep within to your favorite comic book sometimes for the answer i see you're a green lantern fan and a superman fan which that's one of the reasons we're buddies i think <laughs> dc all the DC, way all the way you hear that marvel fans <laughs> um what is it that you feel about your message, about Senator Sanders' message, about um, Ocasio-Cortez's uh, message? What, what is it about that message that you feel resonates with people? Very simple. Truth. It's the truth. Uh, it's what people know that they deserve. Um, it is the issues that we have been talking about as the Democratic Party, as social activists uh, that we have fought for and it's about time that we had them passed. What do you think we can take away from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's victory? Um, You endorsed her, you uh, went to the city and you did some help, you helped out her campaign. I saw the uh, the Facebook video, you were behind her wholeheartedly. Uh, What do you think we can take away from that victory? That there's grand hope. That there is hope. Yeah, not just for the Democratic Party or any political party, but for our nation. Uh, that a person who just a year ago, or less in fact, uh, was a bartender, uh, a working class person, gets informed about the issues, gets involved in politics, and understands what's going on, and you know, through a leap of faith and courage, runs for office and brings about change and inspiring others to get involved in that movement. And when we went up, you know, uh, this was within the same week of our election, uh, after our election, and unfortunately we didn't get past our primary. Uh, she was the next closest justice Democrat who um, whose election, whose primary was coming up. Me and a couple of folks uh, who were on my campaign uh, went up um, and knocked down some doors, and the response was tremendously mm. great. Also, seeing what she built, she there. knows her community. She knows her community. She knows she's an organizer herself. Yes, she is. So she knows what to do, and just the energy and the diversity you even saw. Fifty percent, I believe she said, fifty percent of her district is either immigrant or the child yeah. of immigrant, yeah. or just yeah. immigrants. Yeah, I mean that's. That's a lot. There's, there's a lot. And so she engaged those voters, went to those voters that people have forgotten or take for uh, granted or don't even pay attention to. Yeah. She did the work, and uh, these are the fruits of your labor. So her platform was basically the same as yours. What's it like seeing her receive national attention? It's awesome. Yeah. She deserves yeah. every bit of it. It's great for the progressive movement, yeah. uh, again. So, Are, are, are you surprised to see that I mean when was she nominated it, it's it's July so it's been a month and a half if that at this point a month point. roughly, a, yeah. a month roughly. Yeah. and we already see some Democrats moving against her yeah. I know Crowley the guy that she unseated she gave this really good interview where she talks about how she wins the primary and the next day has a text message from Andrew Cuomo right but she says for some reason or this guy Crowley the guy that she beat he says that he had been trying to reach her for a month 
right? Mm -hmm. So apparently he, he doesn't have one of those phones where you can just pick him up and just call people. You have to set a time and a date. He he's probably still on the uh, the rotary phone. But uh, <laughs> I just I mean that's me. I mean I get frustrated with the uh, with, with with the games. I mean how does it take you over a month to make a concession salt a concession call? I remember what you said. You called uh, Leonard Lance immediately. Yeah. Right. And his big fear was whether or not you were going to run again. <laughs> Yeah. I think you put the fear of you. You put blood in the water. There was blood in the water, and you 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 drew that blood, Peter. It was definitely <laughs> it was definitely a, a plus. Um, it just it cracks me up how these uh, these corporate Democrats, the centrist Democrats, how they they fight so hard against their own base when these are the same people who have been getting slapped around by the GOP for years. These are the people who who could not beat Donald Trump. It still boggles my mind that there are going to be children well, now and children in the future who look up and see all the presidents, and I'll, I will critique every single president we have. I refuse to put them on that pedestal. But they were, in my opinion, at least head and shoulders above somebody like Donald Trump, right? George W. Bush, whatever, at least he was a governor. To have him be up there, to hear his voice used in like recordings and voiceovers and film as if he's he's coming from this place of knowledge and intelligence it's it's actually kind of embarrassing and i, I think that him as president he, he's done a lot of damage the way he's always trying to pal around with these dictators he'll he'll trash the germans and the canadians but the guy never met a dictator he didn't like so i'm of the opinion that uh hillary clinton primary supporters are partially to blame for trump's uh victory that's how i see it her lack of a clear message this what was her america's already great Right, so you have Colin Kaepernick down on one knee. The liberals and the lefts love him. You've got Donald Trump saying "Make America Great Again," implying that America's not great, and all his people rallying around him. And then Hillary Clinton coming out and saying "America's all already great." It was in incredibly uh, tone deaf. Um, her shameless, in my opinion, shameless racial pandering. Right? Did you see the one where she always she claimed she always kept the hot, hot sauce, sauce in her purse? Yep. Oh, that was brutal. Or when she was whipping and nay-naying, I think it might have been on BET or MTV, mm -hmm. she was doing the whip and the nay-nay. Or when she came out with the, the campaign for Latinos, where it was supposed to be Hillary Clinton's just like my abuelita. Yep. And that ended up blowing up in her face. Because my, my grandmothers, my abuelitas, right, my mm -hmm. grandmothers were not wealthy women. They were not world-known. Um, they were never formally educated, basically raised as second-class citizens. Hillary Clinton doesn't understand that. She, she She does understand what it's like. You know, it, it's interesting. Um, um, let's not even forget her corporate ties. She would give one speech to the Democrats, to the Democratic mm -hmm. faithful, to the people at the rallies, and then she'd go and give another to speech Wall on Wall Street. Yep. Right? I mean, it, it, it was two-faced. And I'm, I'm kind of getting away from myself, but because her campaign, I think, wasn't strong, because she came across as an elitist, I, I, like I said, I, I, I am of the opinion that... Uh, that Trump won because her campaign was so poorly was so poorly run. Uh, I am of the opinion that uh, Bernie Sanders would have crushed Trump. I think he spoke to people and not at them. But I'm kind of going to put you on the hot seat. Do you see Clinton primary supporters as partially to blame for 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 Trump being president, um, them being obstinate and going along with? In my opinion, this is me, not not you. Uh, this this coronation, do do you hold them accountable? Do you hold them to blame, or are you just passed it at this point? I'd say it was the Democratic Party ultimately mm. okay. to blame. Uh, them and their donors, they took everything for granted. They didn't show up in Wisconsin and Michigan, and this was yeah. 
this was their strategy. You know, uh, I remember in our campaign office, I heard on MSNBC, I believe it was uh, Chuck Schumer, the Senate minority leader, say, you know, for every one vote we lose in rural Pennsylvania, we'll pick up two in uh, Philadelphia. Yeah. And you can repeat that in Ohio and Wisconsin, yeah. and he lost all, lost all those states. Yeah. This, I, this was the easiest election for anybody to ever win. Yeah. You know, my dog could have won this election. You said it, not me. You know? I, I was going to nominate Savannah for president. <laughs> and she was only a, a month old at yeah. that point. Um, and, you know, you took your base, you took people of color for granted, mm. and we all saw through it. We all saw through Everyone the garbage. Saw it. Well, most of us saw through it. Well, not most, a lot of us saw through it. <laughs> and there, there is something to say about professional class liberals who did not understand what was going on in our nation. You know, we bailed out the banks, but we didn't bail out the working class people. Mm. And the last thing that those people needed to hear, as their jobs are being sent over to Mexico and all those places, is the TPP yeah. that Barack Obama was uh, putting forward. Uh, and the Democratic Party did not see the writing on the, the wall uh, where a Democratic Socialist from Vermont showed up you know, some 70-year-old dude who was barely known in the country and then captivate millions, winning 23 states, uh, states that it are... It was a thing. It was yeah, an event. Yeah. And that, that I don't think, would be replicated in American history again. Yeah. Uh, and you had a lot of young people who were intrinsically motivated to get involved. Yeah. Uh, you know, they donated small dollars and stuff like that. But more importantly, they got involved in an actual movement. And uh, the Democratic Party, if they had uh, selected Sanders, I, I think it would have nonetheless been somewhat close. I've seen all the polling where he's winning by 10 points and whatnot. But he would have been president right now, and we would have been taken in a, a different direction totally. And people still don't see that. Everybody refuses to t talk about 2016. Uh, there's the famous saying by Jesus, you know, don't take a plank out. Don't take that speck of dirt out of your brother's eye till you take it out of your own eye mm. uh, to see clearly. And that speck of dirt is still in our eye. And we're just saying we need any Democrat, any blue will do. And so we're repeating the mistake mm. that we made in 2016. Mm. That's what got Bush reelected. That's what got Bush reelected. And that is why Democrats lost the House and the Senate in the years following Barack Obama's yeah, I'm election. of the opinion that, that Democrats really should never lose. It, it's not... I, I, I'm... Of the opinion, and people will hate me for this, and someone's probably listening to this rolling their eyes, Democrats should never lose. Ever. In Mississippi, in Alabama, in, in Texas, right? It, it, it's a lack of message. It's a lack of will. How do you lose to a Donald Trump? How do you lose to, uh, what is it, like a Todd Akin? How do you lose to these people? Right? It, it, it's a lack of message, and, and they are really good at controlling the narrative. And Democrats aren't fighters. Republicans are fighters. Democrat, well, not you, Peter Jacobs, is a fighter. <laughs> but a lot of these people, they're just they're not fighters, and it's uh, it's unfortunate. Um, I mean, and, and for the record, right? I, I'm going to beat up on Clinton. I'm going to beat up on the corporate Democrats. But I, I I will go on the record and say that uh, Hillary Clinton is objectively more qualified than Donald Trump, um, and arguably more qualified than Barack Obama and George W. Bush. She's probably one of the most qualified people to uh, to be president. That being said, I'm not a fan of her policies. I'm not a fan of how she conducts herself in public. And she she didn't do it for me. I mean, I'll give credit to where credit's due. The woman was a senator. She was a, 
uh, Secretary of uh, a State, state yeah. and uh, she was a very proactive First Lady. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the best we've had. Peter, what is the most pressing issue of our time? That's a good question. You know, it could be climate change mm-hmm. because we're at the tipping point. We're at that point of no return yeah, now. We're probably past that tipping point, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just mitigating climate change at this point. Um, but to get to that issue, you need to get to the money in politics. Yeah. And you can't change anything unless you get the money out and you could get the, the right people uh, in. But I'd say it's much deeper than that. It's a philosophical problem that we have in America. It's a economic, social uh, problem that we have and it has everything to do with what neoliberalism has brought uh, people just change the channel yeah i don't want to talk about it i'm going to change the channel and not deal with it yeah it is the complete lack of interest in our socio-political and economics um and that is that's the most challenging thing you know even i i get more people that i show up to the door to and they're just not interested oh you're just another politician you know those guys who are in dc those guys who are in local government you're the reason why people do not care about politics. You're yeah. the reason why yeah. uh, Donald Trump got elected. You can't go out there and tell your own base and people that, oh my God, you know, if you don't go out and vote, you know, you get the government you deserve. People don't vote because they're actually protesting sometimes. Yeah. You know, they're like, I'm screw it. You're gonna yeah. give me evil A and evil B. Yeah. Then you know what? I'm not playing your yeah. game. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm definitely a fan of lesser of two evils. I, I feel like I don't have the privilege to do that. But these people are coming from someplace real, right? I'd be lying if I didn't say I went through a point where I didn't vote, where I didn't want to vote, right? right? Because they are corrupt. Ultimately, it's about who you're against. And yes, that is the unfortunate reality of the situation. Uh, but uh, yeah. And, and so there are good people at this moment yes. in time, you know, the Ocasio-Cortezes of the world. Uh, even if people were informed about our campaign, uh, in 2016 and saw what moment we were at in American history, I think we would easily won. Yeah. Uh, if if the same sentiment we have now was existing in 2016, yeah. it, we would have won. It would have yeah. been close, but we would have won. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's absolutely important for everyone to not just register to vote, but to when, but to get informed when that ballot comes. Because there's people in column C and D yeah. and E and Z or wherever else who may be more representative of the values. And I guarantee you they are more representative They're of out the there. values. The, the, than good, the, the good guys the are good out there. The good guys are out there, without a doubt. And you got to go out in every election and learn for yourself. You know, democracy is a two-way street. Mm. You know, and as you say uh, all the time, uh, <laughs> Christian, you know, democracy is not a noun. It is a verb. Yeah. It requires all of us to get active and participate in it. Um, and so, you know, and that's something I always say on the campaign trail, and people love it except for the corporate Democrats. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll, we'll shake them up eventually, come hell or high water. So really quick, just to recap, you, you would say that the most pressing issue of our time is climate change, but with the asterisk of we got to talk about money first, yeah. right? So it, it's kind of like one and one A. Yeah. Right. Like climate change and getting money out of politics because yeah. you can't do one. You're not really going to address any other issues without taking money out of yeah. the politics. Without I, taking money out yeah, of politics. I can't believe all these people. I mean, there's some very stupid people in office, yeah. but they're not dumb enough to realize the impact that climate change is having in their own communities on their own lives. Yeah. They could look at the basic science of it. It makes sense. They see it happening, uh, but it's the money. 
that they're that they're taking to keep them in office and when they're done with that internship at the US house they go on to become a lobbyist for ExxonMobil yeah. or BP or whoever it is and uh, ultimately for anybody to run for office, there are very well qualified people like yourself and many others that I met but they don't run for office because they're not confident and why are they not confident because they don't have the money they mm. can't stand on a stage uh, with a whole bunch of people well I'll say a few people <laughs> at first well you had a whole bunch of people but yeah. don't don't sell yourself short yeah and it depends on what office it is you know <laughs> say a few people running for governor yeah. if you can't raise four hundred fifty thousand dollars to be on that media stage um, or president or something like that but realistically you know the your ability to serve your community should not be measured by the size of your bank account mm. period mm. you should be able to run for office because you are qualified based on your knowledge your skills and your compassion yeah so I'm kind of gonna skip the next question and come back to it because uh, th th this question here uh, is related to what you just said in a world of Chelsea Clinton's in a world of Joe Kennedy thirds, have you seen this guy with the red hair? He just kind of showed up out of nowhere. Met him at the D, uh, you met him. DNC you met him. Okay, you met him. You met him. Um, there's already like Hillary Clinton lost the coronation, right? It was going to be the coronation. It was the great coronation of Hillary Clinton. She was going to slay the dragon, and she was going to be the queen of the world, and she was going to save everything. There's already people talking about Chelsea Clinton. I don't know what qualifies Chelsea Clinton to run for office or Joe Kennedy. I'm sure personally they're nice people, but. Uh, as Americans, we should be wary of political dynasties. A name like Kennedy has its place in history. A name like Clinton certainly has its name in history. I don't think a Kennedy has anything to say to me. Chelsea Clinton has nothing to say to Christian A. Perez. My parents were poor. We struggled. I went through. We went to the same state school in New Jersey. Me and you, right up the road here. Represent. Uh, represent. <laughs> I'm just tired of the uh, the supposed coronation. There's this myth that like we owe the Clintons something. Like, what do we owe the Clintons? What do we owe the uh, the Kennedys? But that's more of a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer that. But let me ask you again. So, in a world of Chelsea Clintons, in a world of Joe Kennedy the thirds and and you know the 800 Bushes that are out there, why is it important for the son of Indian immigrants to run for office? That's such a, it's a beautiful question in and of itself. I, this is the way I see it. You know, I don't see my, when I'm running for office, you know, I happen to be Indian. I happen to be uh, the son of immigrants. That's not how you define yeah. yourself. You're post-Indian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and ideally post uh, n any kind of nationalism. Yeah. yeah. Um, to speak to dynasties, you know, I, I see the person. I see okay. what they are fighting for. Okay. Uh, that's what's important to me and what they what they proved in their lives already. Yeah. You know, you are not going to be the candidate I prefer for president if you tell me uh, to my face, we need universal health care, but then take all this money from Big Pharma mm. and the insurance companies. Mm. Um, and so these folks, what what's happening nationally right now within the Democratic Party, within the media, within the propaganda that we see of both of them together, you know, um, is they're trying and testing people out. They'll throw the names out. You know, they throw out Kamala, Kamala Harris. They'll mm. throw out Joe Kennedy, the third, to see how. It's like a sample group. Yeah, yeah. It's they're feeling like it. Like a out. new flavor you, of potato chips. Yeah, because they do not want one person running, and they want to take all attention away from this one person. Mm. And the name is Bernie Sanders. Yeah. So they throw out everybody else to see 
how people react. You know, mm. Kamala Harris, you know, people know that her relationship with Steve Benuchin and letting him off the hook when he had his big bank that tanked uh, the state of California um, and cheated working class people. You know, Booker, they know his relationship with Devos and... Uh, the banks on uh, Wall Street. Yeah, Sold out and, Newark to the banks in Wall Street. Yep, indeed. You know, that $100,000 uh, of money that came in uh, sorry, $100 million that came in from Facebook. And also the fact that the importation deal uh, that Senator Sanders wanted in a bill uh, from Canada for, for drugs, more affordable drugs, yeah, uh, and him not supporting it, people responded to it. And in fact, one of the people sitting at that table in that personal discussion that Booker invited them to come to, he's actually one of the people who's bringing that big Trump uh, <laughs> uh, balloon from, from the UK. Oh, the baby Trump? The baby Trump. I think there's yeah. like four of them already. Yeah, that's what I heard. So, uh, and so they're feeling everybody out right now, and uh, all the names that the establishment media and uh, the Democratic Party uh, is putting forward is people that they prefer, that they trust, that their donors want you to back. But Americans are not stupid, you know. They may not be able to articulate, but they're not going to be kind. Yeah. Uh, and so, I think this is just an effort for the establishment to take attention away from Senator Sanders. You know, I even saw a recent CNN thing that they put out where they put Sanders at five and Joe Biden at number one. <laughs> uh, as far as presidential contenders. So for Joe Democrat Biden, he's got really good memes or yeah, something. Yeah, I don't indeed, know. He has cool shades, but I think he's served his time. I he think will get he, trolloped. Yeah, he will I, get walloped. And I think the trolloped. only person who could... Uh, <laughs> It's always fun making up words. Yeah, I, I made that one up, America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know. It could end up in the, in the dictionary <laughs> one day. So um, there's only one person, Senator Sanders, that people have confidence in. Ridiculous approval rating. People trust him. And that's one quality that's lacking in every politician. Trust. And so if you could rebuild that confidence in people, that's how you will restore confidence in not just the Democratic Party, but politics in America it will encourage people to go out and vote in elections. And that's what we need to do. And I only see somebody like Senator Sanders. I don't even see Elizabeth Warren doing it No, at this point. She, she's kind of, I mean, not to diss her, but like she kind of fizzled out a little bit. Like I, I don't even like using that term, but the, the popularity that she enjoyed two, three years ago, it's not the same It's not today. the same because I don't think she came out for Sanders. Here was your male counterpart, mm -hmm. if I may say, mm -hmm. talking and holding the banks accountable, mm -hmm. talking to the working family issues mm -hmm. that you champion, uh, and then you support Hillary Clinton. Yeah, it was sloppy. Yeah, and we, the people, are paying attention. Yeah, I don't care if your she name got is. She a lot of. Uh, I don't care if your name that. is Mitch McConnell, Elizabeth Warren. The people are paying attention, and we are pissed off. Yeah. What's the best part of running for office? Meeting the people. Meeting, meeting people? Yeah, meeting so many people from different... Can you give me a number of how many people oh. you think you met? Ah, gosh. 10,000? More than that. 50 plus. 50 plus. I, I, how I'd many say, hands you think you... Just just forget it. Just hands yeah, and shake, yeah. right? How many I, babies did you kiss? <laughs> I didn't kiss any babies. You know? <laughs> I, you know, you never know, you know, on the campaign trail. I believe in hygiene. As a social worker, <laughs> as a health professional, you, you know. pictures of you getting out just kissing people's yeah, babies. Yeah, That's yeah. awkward. It's a baby um, kiss. I've held... Plenty of babies. People cool. offered their baby to me yeah. to be held. You didn't sign any babies, did no, you? I didn't like sign, in the I don't movie, I'll sign your baby, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's only Hollywood, man. Um, but yeah, just meeting so many awesome, wonderful people who were excited and 
every time this this phrase comes up to me, they say, I want to thank you for what you're doing, mm. for stepping up and doing what you're doing and being who you are. Being honest. Being honest. And that, I think, is just so moving. You, 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 every time you hear it after an event and you're kind of tired and stuff like that, it doesn't really hit you so much mm. till afterwards. Like, wow, this person and the hope that they have in the, the world mm. is based on you and the campaign that you're running and you could never give up on that that's what if elected i want to take to washington that i take when i'm organizing that i'm speaking at that event that hope that that person i remember a young man who um uh saw an older gentleman an indian american guy whose wife was sick but he wasn't he was no longer working clearly you could see he was not a mega millionaire or anything like that he brought a check for ten dollars and uh, this young guy, he was in uh, high school, he saw that. And he said to me, always remember. And like tears were almost about to come out of his eyes. Uh, and he was like, always remember people like that. Yeah. I was like, that's, where, that's who we are fighting for. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're helping you. I consider you one of my close friends. And to see that positive energy going your way, and I don't even like talking like that energy and all that. Mm -hmm. But to see those positive vibes going your way, it, it makes me feel good to know that... Um, that uh, people believe in you because you're you're one of the good guys. What advice would you give to somebody running? Like somebody wants to be a Sanders Democrat, somebody wants to be a progressive Democrat. What what advice would you give them? It's the same uh, advice I give everybody after running. Because look, when you run for office, you're gonna hear a thousand things. You're gonna hear you know the 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 guy on MSNBC or the girl on MBC, MSNBC, you're going to hear Fox News, you're going to hear politicians, you're going to hear your campaign staff tell you to say this or don't say this. Uh, the one piece of advice that I give everybody, and I gave it to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez as well, is be yourself. Be yourself. Your campaign and anything that goes on is reflective of you. Mm. People could do things, but it's ultimately reflective of you. Buck stops with you. And so who you are and what you say is very important and people look up to that the moment you even slip up once well no matter what issue it is whether it is israel and palestine whether it is conceding to a public option yeah. instead of a single payer health care because that's what we need then people will stop stop uh, having confidence in you and losing trust in our political system don't do that yeah to not just yourself but to the people yeah and so, you know, be who you are. Be yourself. Um, be be sincere. And uh, make sure you are as uh, clear as well as eloquent as you can be. To keep in mind, I think one of the most beautiful things Sanders was able to do. And for us people, you know, uh, with our great intellect, having master's degrees and whatnot, <laughs> and studying all this economic I'm a millionaire and social theory, now yeah. because of my master's degree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, social work. Everybody, get a degree. You make yeah, tons yeah. of money. So, you know, you, you're reading all your books and stuff. But Sanders was able to put it so simply. The top 1% has more wealth than the bottom 90%. Enough is enough. I saw something like eight eight people own more wealth than. than yep. I, I don't even know the number, yeah, but it, yeah. it, it, it's it's some astronomical sum. But it, it's at that yeah. point where it's like, we understand how powerful entrenched wealth is now, and just how uh, how crazy it is. What was the Amazon guy, Jeff Bezos, yeah. the richest man in history? And yep. His workers are on welfare. Yep. That's, that's grotesque. That's that's. Yep. They keep ambulances outside of the facilities because he doesn't want to install air conditioning. Unbelievable, unbelievable. 
Would you do it all again, Peter? Hell yeah. Yeah? Uh, yeah. You wake yeah. up tomorrow, it's 2014, 2015, you would do it all again. You gotta do it all again. Because, mm-hmm. for one, you know the lives that you've touched, but there are plenty of lives you haven't touched. I remember at the DNC meeting people who uh, would come up to me, and I'm, you know, with my friend, and we're walking around, uh, and they'd say, hey, are you Peter Jacob? Mm. And I'm like, yeah. You know, at the DNC. At the, That's at, so cool. At the Democratic National... The same National... DNC you see in the history books in high school and yeah. in college. People are coming up to you. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I haven't thought about it that way. Yeah. Hey, man, you know, that's cool. There's thousands of people there, and uh, you know, you're there, and people come. Are you Peter Jacob? Yeah, you're that Bernie Sanders Democrat. You know, you're the progressive guy. Why isn't New Jersey more uh, progressive with all those Democrats? You know, yeah. you get all those questions. Hey, could I take a photo with you? You know, and so you don't know whose lives you touch. And then there's people who tell me, I'm running for office because you ran. Wow. You did something great. Nice. In 2017, countless people said, hey, if you could do it, man, I could do it. And, and they mean that by a compliment, too. No, you know? no, but, <laughs> they, they, no but they mean that sincerely. But, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. not, oh, man, that guy. No, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's what it is. I mean, but like you, you're not entrenched power. You are the son of immigrants. You live in the same house you, you more or less grew up in, right? Like, you're not some guy coming in from out of town. You're Peter Jacob of the community, of the people. And I think that speaks to people, right? I remember when you and I, we were going door to door, and the one guy asked us, we were, we were getting him to sign the, um, the petition, to sign the petition yeah. and he said, do I have to have a degree in political science to run for office? Like, he didn't know. Yeah. He's somebody that's, that's intimidated. I mean, obviously, look at our president. You don't have to have a degree <laughs> in anything. You know, but I mean, it's it, it, it's it, it's crazy. Um, you talked about hope. Is there hope for the future? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, but again, it has to be at this moment. People have to understand why we are here yeah. in this moment in time in America. This is not a coincidence. Trump is not just some random act of no, evil. It's not an accident. You know? Yeah. He is a symptom of a larger problem. Mm. And many people who are of wealth, you know, there's nothing wrong with wealth. But it's how you have gained that wealth. And how you use it. And how you are using that wealth. Mm. That is the fundamental problem. And so, you know, if people who are in places of privilege understand that. Uh, and I'm not just talking about people who have McMansion somewhere in Hunterdon County or Somerset yeah. or wherever. I'm talking about the police officer who pulls over that black man or that Hispanic. Yeah. Uh, and understands that that blue line and that black flag is not there for you to protect you know uh the poor but to divide the wealthy and the poor and to protect the wealthy yeah this is what needs to be understood because what we need is a coalition of the bottom 99 percent all of us if the police and often, you know, you we we see you, you know, you're working class people, you know, you you like us, you get up every morning, you go to work, yeah, there's more danger involved in what you do, but why is there more danger involved in what you do? You know, like your parents, there's people suffering out there who can't afford their medication, the social security and pension is uh is being swindled away. You know, they they don't have a savings. Uh, they they don't know how they're going to put their children through college. Don't sell out your own species. Yeah. Be a part of a movement. Join us. Yeah. Instead of arresting us, join us and be with us on the picket line. Yeah. Because, You're a cop. How do you want to spend your 100 years on earth, your 80 years on earth? And so those people, those students who are right now in college, you don't realize what type of world, many of them, uh, you don't realize what type of world that you're going to be getting into. In an academic sense, from what you hear from the news, sure. 
but the the world that you're about to graduate into is going to be 10 times worse than what your parents had. Absolutely. And that's, I'm saying worse. No one prepared us. See, they're preparing these kids. Nobody prepared us, right? When we were kids, it was still, you could be whatever you want, you could do whatever you want, and then we graduate and we hit a brick wall. Yep. I remember uh, I got my master's degree, and like six months later was the recession. And it was like, there went all my opportunities. Which I I, I honestly think that those opportunities were probably never there. Those opportunities were fabricated by like uh, department heads that wanted my money to take the program. But I mean, but that's... I, know, I graduated social work school with a master's degree. Mm-hmm. Did all the studying and stuff. And my first job, I got paid $30,000. Yeah. $30,000. Yeah. And who who I didn't contributes... I did make more than $30,000 yeah. up until last year. Who 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 contributes more to society, folks? Mm-hmm. A, a An investment banker? An investment na- uh, yeah. analyst? Or the social worker? Yeah. Or the teacher Absolutely. out there? Absolutely. Te- teaching, to me, is the most important job out there. And the way teachers are disrespectful... That, that's another yeah. conversation for another day. But yeah, it's... It's an absurdity. And so, if I may, you know, wrap this up mm-hmm. with that point here is we all have a responsibility to stand up to power. And if you have wealth and you have privilege, it is your responsibility to understand what is happening in this world and why we are here. And to fight alongside everybody. Not just say, oh yeah, I care about black people, I care about Hispanics. But to understand the socioeconomic and political reasons why we are in this situation. And many people who are less fortunate than you are, are in their situation. Join the movement. You know, the pe- the poor people's campaign is clearly uh, the best movement, I think, to be a part of. It's the continuation of what... Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. put forward initially. Unfortunately, he was assassinated and could not continue it further. Mm. Um, he was terrifying. And and yeah, absolutely. He scared the right. He scared the right people. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, the right people on the right and on the left uh, yeah. and in the middle. So, um, and it's been brought back uh, through uh, Rev Barber and some other folks, and we saw it right here in New Jersey. I hope it expands. That's something to get involved with that something meaningful you know it's not enough to go on facebook and say a few things it's not enough to go to another rally on a convenient morning uh when you don't have work on a saturday and it's nice sectioned off and you know uh you get you grab your starbucks coffee beforehand and then you go back home and post a photo on facebook saying you hate trump no it's about time we understand why we are here and take meaningful action democracy is a verb indeed so I only got like one more question for you. Peter, are you a democratic socialist? I don't like the isms. Okay. I suppose you could uh, define me as such. Yeah. You know, uh, let me ask you for for the audience okay. and for the people listening. For the millions at home. For the millions at home. <laughs> you know, and abroad. And abroad. Uh, define your understanding of democracy. Uh, in, in a nutshell, uh, for me, it would be A, uh, about extending democracy into the workplace, right? Taking... The democracy that's supposed to extend, that's supposed to exist in the political sphere, and putting it into the economic one, uh, uh, giving workers control over the job, right? The factory workers, uh, the, the 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 unions, uh, very much like a commune or a collective. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we work. We put in our eight hours. Friday, we put in four hours of work. The other four hours, we get together Friday and we discuss what our plan's going to be. Right, work meetings, workplace democracy, getting rid of the CEO, 
I have people tell me no one works harder than the CEO. I say that's bullshit. At any place you go to, the hardest working person at every job is the janitor. Mm -hmm. And he's not making more money than anybody else or she. Okay? Uh, to, uh, to me, social that, that would be the first part of socialism. That's like definition one. Uh, definition 1A would be about addressing arbitrary hierarchies, right? Addressing the patriarchy, addressing uh, white supremacy, addressing Christian supremacy, supremacy <laughs> addressing what's the word? homophobia, Islamophobia. That, that's what socialism is about to me. It's about democracy and addressing and criticizing arbitrary forms of authority. So you have more power than me because you were born rich and I wasn't. You have more power than me because you're white and I'm black. You have more power than me because you're a man and I'm a woman. Or you're straight and I'm gay or, or, or bi or, or trans or, or whatever it is. That, that's what socialism's about to me. It, it's about equality and it's about democracy. So, I mean, I guess you're about that, right? But you don't, you just don't stick with the isms, but that's okay in my book. This is a and, socialist program, yeah. Peter Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, if that's the definition of democratic socialism, that's what I am. Yeah. I you mean you're not in favor of uh, Stalinist uh, pogroms and oh my gulags gosh. and let, let me the gulag archipelago and, yeah. oh my God, somehow Bernie Sanders is going to turn the United States into <laughs> 1930s <laughs> Russia, right? Like, I, I never understood that one myself. Yeah, for real. Let me say this. Go ahead, please. please my do. my my family comes from a state in India with ninety nine percent literacy. Kerala, in, right? Kerala in South India. My grandparents, uh, all of them, could read and write English. Mm. Uh, and to this day, I visited my grandmother um, at the turn of this year, uh, late. 2017 I went to visit her she has Alzheimer's mm. and she could still read English excellent yeah uh, Kerala also has uh, the first World Health Organization and UNICEF baby friendly considered state it has the world's first 100% um, solar powered international airport that is we, excellent. we have courts specifically designed to protect the rights of the LGBT community uh, and the transgender community um, and they have policies also protecting the transgender uh, community clearly written out you know uh, women in the private sector make more money than men do mm, excellent and that's just a few things yeah and guess what guess which party is in power right now in Kerala. Is, As it, a re is it the socialists or the communists? Yeah, the Communist Party of India. That is awesome. In parentheses, Marxist. MLs. The Marxists. CPIM. CPIM. Right? And this already always existed. Mm -hmm. You know, my uh, the people in my family who went to college, along with millions of others in Kerala throughout the years, went to college. My uh, uncle has a bachelor's degree, tuition free. Mm. You pay a small entry fee. Uh, and you pay for your books, and if you can't afford that, the government will. He take doesn't care live of it. in New Jersey, right? He doesn't. Live he in doesn't New live Jersey. in California. No. He lives in Kerala, India. In Kerala, and by no means a very wealthy state, mm -hmm. a good-to-do state, uh, and we're exporting engineers because there's a surplus. It, it, yeah. It's a testament. Like when I teach my students about power, there's there's two types of power I talk about. There's distributive power. There's the power of A over B, right? The power that the boss has over the worker. The power that the parent has over the child, right? But there's also collective power, you know, and. I don't like cliches, but cliches are around for a reason. Uh, the phrase, where there's a will, there's a way. Right? Kerala is not, you said, it's not a wealthy state. It's not a wealthy province. Province? State. state. It's yeah. not a wealthy state. Um, but because of their collective power, because of their 
belief in their own community, they're able to accomplish amazing things. Uh, you had told me about the solar panels. You had told me about the literacy. I didn't know that they export engineers. That's that's amazing. I, I think that that's great news. Yeah, uh, there's no jobs for them. There's okay. no jobs there's, for them. But, there's but, a surplus. Yeah, there's a surplus. But yeah, I mean, but that's yeah, a, but yeah, like, right. look, I mean, something like. I'd rather have an educated populace out of work than an uneducated populace out of work, mm -hmm. right? These are people that can still contribute in other ways. Um, every society is helped by having engineers. And now let me add this as well. Now we have an influx of people from Bangladesh as a result of climate change and uh, socioeconomic strife, mm. or economic strife, I should say, in Bangladesh. Guess what? There's nobody with anti Bengali uh, sentiments either. in Kerala. In Kerala, it's as if Mexicans were flooding your, you know, mm. your, your uh, country. You mean they're not state. they're not solving their problems by blaming a powerless minority group? Exactly. Well put. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I never understand that. Let me let me blame the uh, twenty five year old Guatemalan woman with two kids. She's really the cause of all the problems, right? She's the reason you can't get a job. Okay, buddy. Um, so yes, my family escaped a communist state and came to uh, New Jersey, and uh, now I have uh, student debt, and uh, I'm a social worker. Yeah, long longing for the the communism. <laughs> Any shout outs, Peter? Uh, you know, shout out to everybody listening. Share this. This is absolutely important. Conversations like this need to continue. And uh, we need Christian to be able to interview tons more people, uh, get this to a, uh, no joke, worldwide audience. Wow. These issues that we are talking about right now uh, is what people uh, in Colombia, I, I just visited Colombia, that's what they're talking about. I went yeah. to, I was in Cuba a year ago. Jealous. That's that. That's what a beautiful place, mm. beautiful people. Mm. And also some amazing classic American cars. <laughs> uh, and that's what they're talking about there. This is what people I met. I, I met a guy who was here from Germany, now working here. And he said, you know what? If you don't win, you're welcome to come and run in Germany. Wow. I'm sure you'd win. <laughs> Everything that you're talking about is what we have. You be a moderate there. Oh, know? man. Here, here, uh, let me step on some toes really quick. Cuban food or Colombian food? Colombian, Colombian food. Yeah, that's okay. It's a, a bit more flavor. You know. <laughs> this is why we need to lift that embargo so they could get the spices. You got to get the rice and beans, yeah, bro. Yeah. The, the, the carne puerco. We got to get that good stuff out Indeed. here. Yeah, yeah. Everybody likes that when they have paisa, bro. <laughs> um, so share this. Get involved in your democracy. Get informed. Find out who's running because the election that's coming up this November will be critical. And it's not enough to just go and listen, but make those demands. Mm. The power rests in the hands of the people. That's the beautiful thing about American democracy. Challenge your leaders. The greatest institution. As much as we are overwhelmed by the media, by politicians, uh, politics, government, uh, religion, and all that stuff, the power rests in the people. The changes that we see in churches, accepting the LGBT community, mm. uh, and even in politics with Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, as you noted earlier. Um, none of this just happens. It happens because we make our voices heard. And at this moment, they are taking everything away from us because we're not paying attention. I understand we're working two, three, or four jobs. But those people who have the ability to go out and be involved in your democracy at any form, whether it's running for office, whether it is starting an organization, whether it's assisting somebody start that organization, get involved it's absolutely fundamental you know i 
what we are doing here in the state of New Jersey, you know, we have a chapter of our revolution, the organization that's birthed from the Bernie Sanders campaign. We're uh, strengthening our efforts. So, you know, follow us on Facebook, uh, our revolution uh, volunteers. You know, things are moving at a slow space right now, but we're building a movement. Uh, you know, follow me, uh, my cam- former campaign page, still got it up uh, as, you know, so an other activist people page. people shall remain nameless have their pages gone and are redirecting to a certain uh, Democratic candidate. But uh, I was proud to see your page is still up and not going uh, anywhere. Thank you, because nobody's representing the issues that deserve to be represented uh, and speaking up for the people. Uh, that's why, you know, we don't just redirect because we got a voice and people want to hear us. And people are desperate for the change that is desperately needed so you know shout out to all the friends and family of our movement here in new jersey uh the various chapters of our revolution and organizations who are fighting to bring about the change so keep at it holler at us get involved you said it you said change happens because we make our voices heard i think that that's clear concise and to the point i don't think i could have said it better myself peter thank you so much for this interview thank you christian I want to remind you that you can always follow us on Twitter at Perez Podcast. You can email us at PerezPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Modernity and Absurdity, and we are always available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Please tell a friend about us. Take care of yourselves out there. This is your chance. After this, there is no turn. You take the blue pill. Story ends. it'd be a heck of a lot easier. <laughs> Just so long as I'm the dictator. <laughs>
that when we talk about war, we're really talking about peace. 